I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds and I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related so just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth so hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I speak with Sejung and Sejung takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with her first son Nico and we talk through a whole heap of stuff but we cover um, falling pregnant and coming on and off the pill what her midwifery care was like and then it was the start of Omicron when she was due to give birth so she talks about being in lockdown and what the hospital policies were like and also the struggle of not having family support around once Nico was born. Uh, She takes us through her hospital birth which was a vaginal birth with an epidural um, and then a retained placenta post birth which meant that she needed to spend a little bit of time in surgery to sort that out. They went to birth care and uh, Brady, Sejong's husband, wasn't allowed to be there with them once he left. So she talks through what that experience was like and also exclusively pumping, uh, formula feeding, topping up, um, domperidone, all sorts of stuff around low supply. So I think this is a really interesting episode and I know you are going to enjoy it. So I will stop talking to you now and let you jump into the story with Sejong. Enjoy. Hi, Sejung. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jordan. <laughs> no worries. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Um, my name is Sejung O. Walsh. Um, my husband and I um, had a baby, I guess, a while ago now. Um, <laughs> and then we have a fur baby called Django the cat. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's us, a family of, I guess, yeah, three and a third baby, four. Yeah. Awesome. And you guys live in Auckland? Yes, we are based in Auckland. 
Cool. And um, I obviously know you because we went to school together. Sejong and I actually went to intermediate school together. So we've known each other a very long time. Um, but do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you do for work? Yeah, so I, obviously I listened to Jordan's podcast and I was like, she sounds really familiar. I was like, how do I know this? And then I, I found you on Instagram. I was like, oh my God, it's Jordan. Funny. <laughs> world. Um, so I own a designer rental company in Auckland um, called Arutni and it's what I do full time and, and um, Instagram as well, my personal Instagram and my husband works in marketing for CRC. Awesome. And do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you and Brady? Um, well, I was on the pill since I've been on, like, I guess, 18 years old. And I just wanted to make sure um, my body was able to regulate regular periods. So I stopped taking the pill, I would say, probably when I was 22, just to see how long it would take. Um, because I always wanted to be a young mum. And it did take my body like a year and a half to start getting regular periods so that was a good indication of you know when if I wanted to have children to when to get off the pill yeah um so leading up to the wedding I re-went off the pill um and it only took six months that time so I was like okay cool um and then after we got married um I just kind of went off the pill and then um we would practice still practicing safe sex um but then one day we got, you know, our finances sorted. We're like, oh, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we fell pregnant. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, it happened on the first go. Yeah. We were not trying. And then, like, a week after, we're like, okay, let's try. And then <laughs> turned up a pregnancy. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. And how did you feel? I, I still feel like when it, when I see a positive pregnancy test, even if you know you're trying, it's like a huge shock. <laughs> how did you feel? Yeah. So like I was, I thought I was just my period coming, um, because my period um, was like always um, a little late. My cycles were like forty days or something, not like the twenty eight days after being on the pill for so long. Yeah. Um. So I thought it was just my period coming, but then um, I norm- don't normally get period cramps, so I was like, this is a bit different, and mm. I felt a bit bloated. So I don't normally get that, so I just waited um two more weeks just to see if my period would come. And then, you know, didn't come. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And did you have many symptoms in your first trimester? Um, I just felt really tired and the feeling of being hungover when I mm. got back from work. So I would just have to lie down. Um, I would get like, um, I guess if Brady was cooking something quite smelly, I'd want him to like puke, but not puke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so gross that feeling. <laughs> yeah, so I, my, my, I guess my symptoms are quite mild. I would say. Yeah, luckily. awesome. And did you choose to go with a midwife for your care? Um, I originally wanted to go with an OB, um, because I have back issues. Yeah, I thought being pregnant and carrying a baby would, mm. you know, be a bit harder because I have a split disc. So I just wanted to make sure that we had the medical hand and yeah, um, yeah. if we wanted it. Um, but I was calling up when I was about six weeks pregnant and all of the OBs were fully booked. Hmm. Um, I think everybody was having babies around August. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, and then, so that option was kind of taken away from us. Um, so we looked on midwives, find my midwife and we were calling like 30 midwives Mm. and then, um, we finally found one that was available, was doing hospital births and was obviously close to where we lived yeah 
yeah. such a struggle at the moment. Like even I know it's been a while since you had Nico, but it's just yeah, so crazy trying to find a midwife. So I can yeah. definitely um relate to like even being only six weeks and you're like shit, still struggling to find one. Yeah, you have to find one as soon as possible and you can't really be picky. Like, you know, if you don't yeah. get along with them, obviously yes, do look into finding a new one. But you kinda can't pick away at like little things that might not be your cup of tea. You just have to kinda take whoever's available yeah. because it's such a you know, they're so understaffed that you just yeah. want to jump on whoever's available and who's yeah. had good people and yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really tough. It is really tough. Oh, and what was the rest of your sort of pregnancy experience like? Did you do all of the standard testing and did you find out the sex of your baby and all those sorts of things? Yeah, we so we did all of the standard testing. Um, we did not opt for the lip test. Lip test? Lip test. Yeah, we just kind of thought we would be okay. We're young, we're both fit. Um, finding out the sex early wasn't, and you know, a situation that we were, you know, wanting to pay for. So yeah. we thought probably not. Um, so we found out the sex at 20 weeks with the scan um, and then did a little gender reveal. We had mm-hmm. a feeling it was a boy. Well, we kind of hoped it was a boy, both of us. Yeah. Um, but my mum knew before us. And she kind of <laughs> had Brady convinced it was a girl. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> and then we're like, nah, surely not. She, she, she said, like... We, we said to her, is it a boy? And she's like, no. It's like blatantly said it. And I was just like, it's a girl. She's like, I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. She had us convinced, but it ended up, obviously, she was just tricking us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Oh, cool. And how, so you obviously were both happy about having a boy and, yeah, felt good about that? Yeah, no, we definitely wanted a boy as a firstborn, which is quite good because we've had lots of nieces so there's a lot of nieces in that generation so like, we yeah. want to be a bit different let's have a boy <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we would have been so. happy either way yeah for sure cool and did you do like any antenatal classes or any birth education or anything like that when you were pregnant yes so I did that I signed up to the um antenatal this is a parent center Cool. Um, and that was really good, but I kind of knew most of what they went through because I heard I was listening to your podcast throughout my pregnancy. Yeah. So like listening to other people talk about their births and what they, um, what different types of births there were and what yeah. could go wrong and things like that. But I kind of knew most of it through your podcast. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so great. for that side, it was really um, I knew all of it. Yeah. And then, but then it was good to meet other mums that yeah. were close. Yeah, to you yeah. and then that lived quite close to you so that was really handy yeah awesome cool and did you have like much of a birth plan or any thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go um we definitely wanted a hospital birth just in case um we didn't want to risk you know not being close to hospital so that was really important for us um but in terms of any other plans we just kind of kind of winged it we kind of knew you know you had to we wanted obviously a vaginal birth, but mm-hmm. if that didn't, if that wasn't feasible, then we, you know, we weren't opposed to yeah. any C-section or anything like that. Yeah, so we yeah. kind of had a general idea, but we were kind of easygoing. Yeah. We, you know, we weren't too set, and I think that was kind of good. Yeah. We weren't for expecting sure. like a perfect birth. <laughs> yeah. And did you do anything in preparation, like for birth at that end stage of pregnancy, like antenatal expressing or raspberry leaf tea or any of that sort of stuff? Um, so antenatal expressing, I tried, um, 
and it didn't work for me um later out obviously after giving birth my milk supply we, we'll talk about that later mm. <laughs> um so that I didn't get anything at all um so that was a bit disappointing to hear like you know because people mm. lots of people say you should try get some just in case you know um your baby can use it and stuff like that so I was a bit disappointed that I couldn't get any yeah um but and then I tried I couldn't find any raspberry leaf tea at a, at a local chemist store anywhere. Mm. Um, and this was before your store was available. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't try that. Um, but I did do curb walking. Um, and I also did pregnancy yoga. The curb oh, nice. walking did, however, hurt my pelvis quite a bit. Yeah. Because obviously you're unlevel. Yeah. So my um, midwife advised me to stop doing it because obviously my back was hurting too. Yeah. Yeah, pregnancy yoga definitely helped though. Yeah, nice, cool. And did your labour end up starting spontaneously? Do you want to take us through your labour experience and then into your birth story? Yeah, so Nico was always head down, thankfully, um, from about 30 weeks onwards. And then he started to drop a little bit lower and lower and lower um, as the weeks progressed. So he, we, we, we knew we were close. Um, so my labour started spontaneously, thankfully, um, <laughs> around, I think it was like one day after his due date. Um, yeah. And then around 1am, I started to get period, period cramps. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. Um, lost like a little bit of my mucus plug two weeks before. So we thought something was happening. Um, and then um, I woke up and then I went to the toilet and a little bit of blood was in my mucus plug. So lots of people have said that might be the start of your labor um so the contractions kind of started around 1am um I left the bed I tried to sleep but it was happening every couple of minutes and I was like yeah. I can't sleep like this Brady was like you should get some rest and I was like I can't sleep so I left the room so he could get some rest just in case um I did go into labor at least one of us would be okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then by around 4am I had to go get him because just the pain was unbearable and I needed that extra support from him um, so he, he got up at 4 um, and he got he went to the dairy just to make sure there was some food for me and some myzones for me to drink um, so that was really handy um, and then I, we called the midwife we, we thought at what stage is it appropriate to call your midwife? <laughs> <laughs> so I was in quite a bit of pain. So we called her at 6 a.m. Um, she was, my actual midwife was actually um, not on call that week. So I had to call my backup midwife. And she was actually waiting for a COVID test result yeah. to come back. So she was, uh, she sent me a backup, backup midwife number. So we called her at 6 a.m. just to say, hey, look, um, I've lost my mucus plugs, my contractions, uh, this and this apart. Um, and then she said, um, just wait until they're a minute apart. Um, she just told me to um, hold on a little longer. I can't quite exactly know the timings of things. Mm. Um, so I waited and then we called her, the, our backup, backup midwife, Hannah, a couple of hours later at 10 a.m. We're like, hey, um, the pain's getting really unbearable. Um, and then they always obviously try um, keep you at home as long as mm. possible so you don't have to get sent back to back home from the hospital um, and then I couldn't wait any longer so I actually had to we had to push for her to come to our house to come check me out 
Um, and then she could see that I was in quite a bit of pain. So she did check me out and she said I was about five, six centimeters dilated. Oh, nice. So she said, you can either wait a little bit longer at home or you can go to the hospital now. And I said, I want to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we headed off to the hospital. Um, we really didn't, um, I, the car ride at the hospital was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so many speed bumps, but we yes. got there. And then just to, um, for them to admit you in, it just that process just seemed like it took forever. Um, yeah, because this was COVID, right? Wasn't yeah. your birth like right at the start of Omicron? Yeah, so um, we went into lockdown two days before my labor started. Um, let me go. Um, so we were we were very nervous to know whether or not Brady was allowed at the birth or mm. whatnot. But at the end of the day, I had to give birth no matter what. Yeah, and I knew that he would, you know, he would be okay, and I would be okay, and I'd be able to get through it. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy thought, but you know, it was just one of those things you kind of had to yeah. accept what was happening. Otherwise, there's no point in stressing about something you can't control. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so, what sort of happened from there once you got to the hospital? Um, thankfully, um, Brady, I was allowed a birth partner, so we got admitted, and um, the midwife offered the gas. Unfortunately, the gas was turned off because of COVID time. Oh, so no. um, she was like, um, you, you can have the gas. So I, I used it. And I was like, nothing's coming out. And I told Brady, can you try it? Because I knew he, he had used the one before. Mm. Um, he's like, yeah, it, it's not on. Mm, <laughs> so I was gosh. really disappointed. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, again, cool. So I just kind of um, went on all fours and kind of just, um, breathed and practiced my breathing um, so that really helped and your course um, really helped as well with the breathing exercises yeah um, so yeah we just kind of labored and then I got to the point where it was kind of like mind over matter wasn't it isn't it mm. um, with the labor process and how long you can hold on for and if there's oh, like yeah. no no time to when you can start pushing you know that was the really yeah. hard mentality of it all how yeah. long do I have to wait? Yeah. If I knew a set time, then I could have like held on, but <laughs> yeah. nobody could give me that. <laughs> yeah. So they said, uh, the midwife said, you're actually pretty close. Your body's doing everything right. Um, and it seems like you can endure this pain. Um, so if you want to hold on, you can hold on. And I don't think you'll need the epidural. But I got to the point where I thought I've had enough. I need a bit of a, bit of a break. So I mm. did ask for the epi. Yeah. And thankfully, that um, anesthetist was really, really quickly. I've heard that oh, cool. like, women have to wait hours for theirs. Yeah, yeah. But um, mine came around quite quickly. Um, and But he did have to attempt to get it in twice. He said that um, Asian women have more compressed spines, so the gap between the discs are actually smaller. So he had to go in twice and went in a little bit too far. So went into the my central nervous system, I'm pretty sure he said. Mm-hmm. So it was more like a whole numb feeling. <laughs> mm. um, he said that it would work instantly, um, and it did. It worked It worked a treat, um, but I wasn't allowed to self-administer it. You know how some women get a button? Yes, yeah, yeah. It? Yeah, he said that um, some the anesthetist will have to come in and top it up for me yeah. if I wanted to top up. But yeah, the epidural gave me really bad shivers and I was yeah. freezing. Yeah. Um, 
But after that, I just waited and waited for a few hours. Just the feeling of needing to poo. Mm. You know, that just um, they said that um, if that's the case, then I'm very close to pushing. And then every couple of minutes, I was like, I need a poo, I need a poo. Like, I don't need a poo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was kind of, I guess, our labor. Um, it was a pretty short labor. I, I, they said that I was in labor for about 17 hours, but like oh, yeah. 10 hours were was inactive and then seven was active yeah so it wasn't too bad for a first time um and then I guess around I think yeah maybe 5 30 they said that I was dilated <coughs> I felt like hey Nico <laughs> felt like I needed to um push and the midwife said if you feel like that just push yeah um and then the epidural wore off and then it actually worked out really well because I could work with my contractions to um, push the baby oh, yeah. out. Yeah, nice. So I felt everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she said my pushing process was um, a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, you definitely, when the midwife said push from your bum, push, like, you know, push from mm. behind, that really, really um, helped because yeah. I was just pushing. And that mentality of just pushing isn't the right pushing. Method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really do have to push like you're pushing out of poo. Mm. <laughs> so that really made a difference to my pushing. Um, so I pushed for I think an hour and a half, and then he came out healthy. Um, and oh, before the pushing, sorry, they um couldn't find his heartbeat. The belt wasn't picking up his heartbeat. Oh, yeah. So they did have to put a little clip on his head to monitor his heartbeat. And he was fine. He was really calm. Um, but they just obviously, he was quite deep within my belly. Mm. Yeah, so I pushed and pushed and he came out. Once you get the head out, the body goes, just kind of flops, flops up, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. a weird feeling. Yes. It's so slimy when they come out. Yeah. Um, and then Brady caught him and then they brought him up to my chest. And yeah. then we did the delayed cord clamping. But it seemed like there wasn't much blood to go through because that happened really quickly. And then, yeah, so I guess that was Nico's birth. He was nice and healthy. He was a bit smaller than those scans showed. He was born at 3.14 kilos. Yeah. Whereas um, we were expecting like an eight-pound baby from the scan. Yeah. Um, but he was quite hidden within my belly I didn't have much of a large bump at all yeah people didn't think that I was even pregnant <laughs> <laughs> funny until like 35 weeks or something so I didn't have yeah much. yeah awesome and so they popped him up on your chest from there or what happened next yeah so they put him up on my chest and he was crying and we did try to get him to you know latch on but he wasn't really interested so I kind of just held him and they were um I had a bit of a tear I had a second degree tear so I didn't feel comfortable holding my baby while they were um, trying to stitch me up, mm. um, putting the local on. I needed the gas. I was a bit high from the gas. <laughs> I, admit, I was like looking at, apparently I was looking at Brady like really lovingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she produced such a cute baby and I was like, yeah. oh no. Um, and I was just screaming in pain. So I did ask um, if Brady could, you know, take the baby off me. It just didn't feel safe in my arms yeah. while I was getting stitched up. Yeah. So yeah, I got stitched up, and then I'm um, I keep bleeding. So 
the midwife was really, really concerned about that. Um, she was monitoring it, but the pads that she had to change at what rate was just too much. So she did ask the doctor on call to just come and check me out again. And then the first doctor said, yeah, that's fine. That's normal. Um, I can get discharged to the birth care. Um, but then the midwife, you know, was like, oh, kind of iffy about it. So mm-hmm. she kind of kept me a little bit longer just to monitor the bleeding. Yeah. Um, and then she gave me some food because obviously she got the clearance that I probably won't need surgery. Um, so I had some food while I was waiting, um, but then just I, I just kept bleeding and she was really, really concerned. So she called um, another doctor in um, and then she said, yeah, this isn't normal. Um, so she had a look. That was really, really painful. The afterbirth, the birth part, I was expecting the pain. Mm-hmm. But in the afterbirth, I was really not expecting that kind of pain. Yeah, yeah. I thought once you get the baby out, you're done. <laughs> yeah. You've, you know, you've made it. Um, but then, this, yeah, when the second doctor came, obviously she had to explore what was going on. So it, she was a bit more rougher um, down there. And that's yeah. probably where you don't want to get touched after you yes. push out a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she said she suspected either a third degree tear, but internally. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said we can either try stitch you up here um, or you can go into surgery to get it stitched, stitched up yeah and then um, she said because you're in so much pain and you're screaming there's something obviously you're quite sensitive and um, there's something else going on mm-hmm. so she did try push for the surgery and I said yeah let's go to surgery because the pain was unbearable yeah. I've got a really good pain tolerance as well yeah. And they were just screaming in pain. So we went up to surgery and um, obviously because I had eaten, they couldn't give me general um, anesthesia. Mm. So I had to get another epidural put in because my line got taken out after birth. Because yeah. the first doctor said, you're fine. So everything mm. got taken out. So they had to re-put it back in. So that wasn't fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they numbed my legs from my uh, waist down again. And then they... um. They found out they had um, I had retained placenta, mm-hmm. so they got it all out. There was actually quite a bit left in there. Um, the doctor said was really surprised that how much didn't come out. So she oh, wow. dug up quite hard and pushed on my um, belly quite hard to get it all out. Yeah. Um, so she managed to get all, all all out and stitched me back up and just and then I was on my way. And then um, unfortunately because of COVID times, it was just the uh, hospital was really understaffed mm. so they told Brady that the surgery would be a 45 minute surgery like really quick and it was really quick but they just didn't really communicate with him and he was with Nico Nico hadn't been fed at that point mm. just waiting and had been an hour and a half and no updates were given yeah. to him so he was like where is my wife yeah um so he was just waiting in the um birth room and then um he had to ask a midwife that was working you know about me because our yeah. midwife had left at that point um and then she said that she'll follow up for him and then came back and said oh yeah your wife's just in the recovery room <coughs> and she's going to get wheeled up to the maternity ward and then he was just thinking but everybody else has a baby in the maternity ward mm. I've got our baby like mm. I was I was already wheeled up at the maternity ward I was waiting for him I was like where is my baby and where yeah. is my Brady yeah. I had like I was like waiting for like almost like an hour oh, just wow. waiting. And they just apparently didn't tell him. Right. Um so he had to ask again and then they finally, you know, um 
they weren't allowed to. Luckily, Brady was actually. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Allowed to come and drop off the baby and say goodbye, but he wasn't allowed to stick around. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really hard. Um, yeah. my, legs, my legs were still numb and I was left with a newborn beside me. Um, and I, yeah, I was just like left to my own devices. Yes, mm-hmm. there's nurses around and stuff like that, but it's not the same, not having your partner there. No, of course not. Um, so that was really hard. It was also hard for Brady as well, having to leave, you know, his wife and baby, new baby. It's his baby too, which is mm. hard. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so the birth went as well as I thought it would go, the afterbirth. Not so much. Wasn't mm. expecting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, how long did you end up having to stay in the hospital for? And was Brady able to come back? So once Brady left, Brady wasn't allowed to come back at all. Um, and I stayed in hospital for two nights. Um, <laughs> and in the first one and a half night, well, one one night and one day, my legs were still numb. I couldn't, oh, wow. you know, feel anything. I couldn't go to the toilet, so obviously I had a um, what is that called? A catheter put mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just yeah, and I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't walk around. I couldn't even pick up my own mm-hmm. baby. I had to ring a bell every time, um, and there just wasn't enough staff. The yeah. nurses didn't really know how to latch. Well, some nurses didn't know how to latch on a baby. They kind of left me to it, um, and I thought. You know, I thought Nico was drinking and I thought like my milk was had come in and he was actually mm. drinking, but no, no, I was dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was completely dry and then Nico um was apparently by the time the lactation consultants came round and midwives came round to the hospital, Nico was apparently starving, so they um cut fed him some formula. Yeah. And um finally the lactation consultant said um, obviously you, you've got no milk at the moment. Um, have you tried pumping? And I said, no, nobody's told me, you know, um, that I need to pump or like offered me a pump or anything like that or any formula. In fact, actually nobody offered until the lactation consultant came around maybe on day uh, in the afternoon or on day two. Yeah. So Nico obviously hadn't had anything, um, up, up until that point. Um, he was latching. Okay. Uh, the lactation consultant um, said, yes, I've got really flat nipples. Um, so we tried to get him to latch on, um, but we just couldn't. And then so mm-hmm. Nico was just getting cut through some formula by the midwife. Um, and he was happy enough, luckily, um, but obviously just a little bit starving. Yeah. And then um, we got discharged to the birth care. And then Botany Birth Care Centre was amazing. Um, that's where we, like, tried so much to um get breastfeeding established yeah. and get him to latch on properly and yeah the midwife especially the night shift midwife was amazing and she was really really good and when I arrived because obviously COVID times lots of first yeah. mums 
after the hospital, they were just opt to go home. So it was yeah. actually quite quiet. We decided to go to birth care because we really wanted to get breastfeeding established. And yeah. that was the best place. That was the sacrifice that we were willing to make that because mm. we really wanted to breastfeed. Um, so Brady uh, came and picked us up and then took us to Botany Birth Care. And we kind of came via home for a bit. So I had a shower in my own home and Brady got oh, to nice. spend a little bit of time with Nico. He hadn't seen him for three days. Um and then, like, you know, he spent time with Nico for a little bit. And then the cat met Nico. That's quite funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> sniffed, sniffed Nico's car seat. Um, and then he dropped us at, back at Botany Care. And he wasn't allowed back in. So I was at the birth care for three nights, four days. Yeah. Um, and then Brady was not allowed back in once he dropped us off. Yeah, I knew. We both knew. It was hard. It was yeah. really, really hard, actually. But we both knew that we were... You know, we've had to be separated for a short period of time to help, you know, my milk come in and yeah, yeah. the expert's advice and regards to what you can do to, you know, you want to do everything in your power to provide the best for your baby and for us. It was quite important to try to get that breast, give it our best shot to get mm-hmm. breastfeeding established. Yeah. 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 Cool. And so once you sort of had those few days in the birth centre and – um did you feel like you had the confidence that you needed to go home? And what was it like once you actually got home? Yeah, so birth care was amazing. We tried everything. We tried nipple covers. Um, Nico would latch better with the nipple covers, but he was just like a really lazy sucker. <laughs> like all babies aren't born with the innate ability of sucking. <laughs> no, like no. they say they are, but they're not. They're really yeah. not. <laughs> Um, and he demanded his milk ASAP and because my yeah. milk hadn't come in um, he just was really lazy he would suck for like three bits three times and then mm. kind of like stop because obviously yeah. he wasn't getting that reward for that sucking yeah. yeah. Um, so we tried to like you know weave that tube in through the nipple shield so that there was like the milk flow was there uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, formula milk and then he just still wouldn't do it um, so the midwife suggested do you have bottles and can can your husband bring them in and then yeah that was that was a game changer for us yeah so we started bottle feeding him um he obviously preferred the faster yield that the bottle bottle provided yeah um and then yeah that was it so the midwife discharged us because um Nico was packing to the bottles really well and my milk was slowly starting to come in. Yeah. It only came in like say six, I would say, after birth, mm-hmm. really. And I was like really little as well. Yeah. Um, pumping every three hours at birth care. Um, but he was waking up every three hours too anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were really, really confident with what we had to do. Um, and yeah, so we put, yeah, the midwife was amazing at Botany. So we just came home um, and we had a pump handy. Um, and I think I think because we were so organised before we gave birth that coming home, we felt a bit more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had the pumps, we had the bottles ready just in case we couldn't end up breastfeeding him. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we didn't take... Um, people's advice in regards to don't get bottles don't mm. get a pump 
you want the baby to do all the work and create that demand for your body mm. if you start pumping you'll get an issue with oversupply and things like that so I'm glad that we didn't listen to that we just kind of had a backup option and yeah it was yeah. really really good for us yeah yeah awesome cool and what about like the sleep and your hormones and all of that in those first few weeks once you got home how did you find like adjusting to the shift of having a baby and yeah trying to survive the sleep deprivation and (laughs) what did that all look like for you oh that was really really hard I love my sleep and I just cannot (laughs) function without my sleep (laughs) yeah I don't know how people do it like Brady I don't know how he did it yeah his body just doesn't let him nap so um, because we gave birth in winter, our house is quite old, um, so it's quite drafty. The warmest place, because we've got the heat pump in our lounge, is our lounge. Yeah. So we're like, the change table was there. Um, so going back between our bedroom to the lounge, Nico would just scream because it was so cold. Mm. So we're like, hey, why don't we look, move our mattress to our lounge mm-hmm. so that Nico, there's like a short amount of distance. Um, um, so, yeah, we did that, and it worked out really, really well. And it was nice and warm for him. We can control the temperature in here a lot mm. better. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I pretty much napped whenever Nico would nap. Yeah. Nico started off being able to sleep on his own, being swaddled. Um, but um, after a while, they don't like that. They just mm-hmm. want to sleep on your chest. So we yeah. napped. We slept. He slept on my chest for months, I think, a couple of months. Yeah. Um. Brady, I don't know, yeah, Brady would just go for walks and, oh, yeah, I don't know how he did it. He would, he was, yeah, so when we got home, I was still pumping every three hours and yeah. because I was pumping at birth care, I would have to do it all on my own. So I was pumping, feeding yeah. Nico, yeah. and then by the time I was done cleaning all that gear, he would be waking up in an hour. Mm. So I was just like, oh, that's just so much, that's not attainable, That I can't yeah. sustain that. Yeah. Um, getting an hour sleep every three hours, yeah. that was just not, I was not coping with that. Mm. So when I got home, Brady um, luckily had four weeks off as well. So that was really good. Yeah. Um, without his help, I don't think we would have been able to allow my milk to come in properly. Yeah. Um, so he was waking up with me every three hours, feeding the baby while I pumped and then putting the baby back to sleep. So that was really, yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was our life, waking up every three hours for a couple of months, I suppose. Yeah. And then slowly winning out the formula with the breast milk. Um, we tried so your breast pre- milk increased. Yeah, slowly. It really, yeah. really slowly increased. Um, so I was like getting maybe like 0.5 of a mil uh, when I was at birth care the first night. Yeah, and then it got up to two mils, and then five mils, and then twenty mils, and then I'd be stoked if I got thirty mils. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was taking like everything you could. Mm. I was doing like the, all the natural methods, um, taking lactation cookies, um, lactation blends, the um, two islands um, lactation pills, yeah. fenugreek. I was I was on everything. I was pumping my body with everything. Mm. But it just. It was enough, and I was pumping every three hours to give that demand. Even if Nico didn't need a feed every three hours, mm. I was still doing it to make sure I would get enough. Um, and then I would try latch Nico back on because the lactation consultant said my latching was perfect, so I would give that a go. And, yeah, Nico breastfed probably for a week. After that, he was too used to the bottle. My flow still wasn't fast enough for him. 
Um, so I just kept pumping and it just got to the point mentally for me, every time I tried to latch him on my boob, he would just scream, scream at me, scream mm. at the boob, just refused. He would suck for a little bit. He would only do it if he was really, like you would have to time it perfectly. And even like breastfeeding, like getting my boob out, getting the pillow, putting on a nipple shield. It was all too much for me. Um, and then having to put Nico in the right position, Brady would have to help me out. And it was just, it was just so mentally hard that it, yeah. I was just like, I think Nico also prefers being bottle fed anyway. So and yeah. I prefer that as well. So I'll just continue pumping every three hours. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was our life for a bit. Um, so we stopped with the breastfeeding, um, with the boob feeding, but he was um, mixed fed with formula and breast milk. And then yeah. we slowly weaned out the formula with my own breast milk. And then it got to the point where pumping every three hours was unsustainable. Mm. Um, we were very sleep deprived. I was very tired. I felt like I was just attached to a pump mm. for, you know, for a lot of the time. And I didn't want that mentally as well. Yeah. So um, we looked at other options. Brady's sister's a GP, so I talked to her about uh, medication, domperidone, to go on, um, and that really was a game changer yeah. um, for us. Yeah, and what was your, um, I guess, experience with yeah domperidone? Because I know that lots of people try it and it works amazing for some and not for others. So, yeah, what was that like for you? For us, it was um, it allowed me to yeah breastfeed. He was on the boob when I went on the medication because my flow was faster finally. Um, so he breastfed for a little bit until the yeah I don't know he just wouldn't take the boob anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the pill kind of just like it meant that we I could only I need, only needed to pump every five hours. So it stretched up the three hours to five hours so that I yeah. didn't have to get up as often in the night. Um, so, yeah, the pill was really good. I was on three pills a day, um, and then I was pumping. I was pumping enough for Nico's feeds, and I was pumping actually a little, like, excessively. I was also, yeah, I didn't want to reduce my pumping time too much because I still wanted to have a little bit of a freezer stash, so I still continued to pump as much as I could and then create that freezer stash just in case that Nico goes through a hunger phase. Um, But even on the pill, if Nico was going through a growth spurt, I couldn't keep up. My milk supply couldn't keep up, no matter how much I was pumping. He was just drinking so much. Um, Yeah, so that freezer stash really, really helped on the the weeks that he wasn't going through the growth spurt. Um, And obviously, he was still on a little bit of formula. Um, And if if it didn't work out for us, we were happy to put Nico on formula. Yeah. Um, but then we really wanted to give it our best go and yeah now I'm just pumping every eight hours and I don't have to wake up in the night anymore to pump yeah um so that's the pill has really been um a good um when I thought I had enough in the freezer stash I kind of like weaned myself off because you're supposed to wean yourself off Mm -hmm. some paradigm slowly so that your supply doesn't get affected yeah um so I dropped it down to two pills for a couple of weeks and yeah, my milk supply did drop. Yeah. And I went down to one pill because I was still making enough just to cover his feeds. Yeah. Um, so I went down to one pill and then it got reduced even more. And then um, we went o- away. So I actually went back on the pill fully on the Don Periodon pill yeah. um, three times so that you know, I didn't have to 
worry about not having enough supply. So naturally, I think I was just born with low milk supply. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying so hard naturally to try and increase mm-hmm. it, and it just got to the point where I was like, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. I'm unhappy. I'm really like was really depressed that I couldn't feed my baby. Yeah. Um, and pumping every three hours was really, really taking a toll. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Brady was going to go back to work, and I thought to myself, How am I going to do this all on my own? pumping and feeding and you know doing everything all on my own with a new baby yeah and it just it just got to the point where it's just too much so I thought um I would look at other methods in regards to how to get my supply up and yeah. thankfully for us it did work out I know that it doesn't work out for everybody mm. and yeah 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 awesome and what about like your birth recovery in terms of um you know you needed stitches and then ended up having retained placenta so how did you find your actual physical recovery from birth physical recovery I was actually surprised and the Brady says this to to me as well because I sometimes I like moan about my back pain all the time yeah he was pleasantly surprised that I actually like handled it like a champ. I was like, it's just a pain that you kind of have to go through, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I didn't know. Obviously, I was in a bit of pain. Um, peeing, I just, you know, stung a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, just, I just took Ural um, at the hospital and I was fine after that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a big blood clot come out in my mm-hmm. um, maternity undies. Yeah, the adult nappy. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of freaked me out. So I um, messaged my midwife saying, Hey, look, there's a bit of blood in my nappy. It's like really chunky and dark. Mm. And I thought it was still retained placenta. And we thought that we were both kind of freaking out. We're like, Oh my God, yeah. you're in the hospital again. But um, apparently, people would just get blood clots that just come out. So yeah. it was just that, so thankfully. It was just a big yeah. blood clot that came out. And after that, my bleeding kind of really, really slowed. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the stitching was fine. Um, yeah, so we went for walks once a day, and that was really good, just slowly. And if I did, obviously, overwalk, I'd be sore the next day. Mm-hmm. But recovery physically was, was pretty good. I was actually surprised by it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. My back hurt a little bit where the epidural went on. I was quite sensitive to touch there mm-hmm. um, for a while. But after that, after, yeah. Yeah, no, I recovered quite quickly. I was actually, yeah, pleasantly yeah, surprised. Yeah, awesome. Cool. And in terms of, like, the way that you and Brady have juggled um, having a baby as a couple, I know that you talked to the fact that, like, Brady was getting up with you and doing the feeds while you were pumping and all that sort of stuff. But how do you feel like, um, yeah, you've juggled adding a baby to your relationship and what do you do now in terms of, like, sharing the parental load as well as like work and all of the other sort of stuff that has to be done around the house yeah so Brady's a um, a really great um dad and husband um I hate cooking Brady cooks (laughs) all the time (laughs) um cooking's a chore whereas he really enjoys cooking so he'll cook and I look out for the baby um so we do that and cleaning yes I try clean around the house throughout the week if I can Otherwise, we'll do it together on a weekend when one person um, minds yeah. the baby and the other one cleans. Um, he's a really good dad as well. He would get up during the nights. If I'm too tired, if I say, Brady, can mm. you please get up? He'll actually just get up and just do it without any moaning. 
Yeah. And then if he notices if I'm really tired, he will offer, I'll, I can do the night shift if you want. Yeah. Um, so that's been really, really good. I think without his support and help, I don't think I've been able to cope, especially mm. because we had planned to have family support for six weeks after birth, but that was obviously taken away from us. Yeah. Um, because of COVID. Um, so that was really, really um depressing. I was I was quite down. I did have the baby mm. blues. Um, I was depressed, I was snappy at Brady. Um and yeah, it was it was it was a hard time because yeah. I was expecting that family help. Yeah. And for everybody to love this bundle of joy. Mm. Um because I've been around lots of nieces and nephews and you know have been the favorite auntie for a lot of them and stuff like that yeah. I finally thought it was my time to enjoy that kind of support mm. but that wasn't obviously available <laughs> because yeah. it wasn't because that choice was taken away from us not because they didn't want to they obviously yeah. wanted to meet him and stuff but yeah. because of lockdown and everything else um and because it's my mum's first grandchild as well so that was really Really heart-wrecking as well. Yeah. Nobody could meet our bundle of joy. And how long was it until they got to meet him in person? I think he was about, ooh, um, maybe three months, four months mm. old. So they actually finally got to meet Nico. Um, my mum yeah. came up as soon as the Auckland borders were open on that day. She got a speeding ticket. <laughs> driving, <laughs> driving up to Auckland. Oh, my God, she, cute. She listened to oh. funny, eh? She That's never so drives funny. fast as well. She's like the, you know, the classic Asian driver, 60 speed limit. She's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, she's got like a small car and she apparently got, yeah, got pulled over by police. <laughs> oh my God, that is <laughs> so funny. So excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she was here the first, the first time, you know, first instance that Auckland borders were open. And yeah, she finally got to meet him and yeah, we all cried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emotional yeah. time yeah amazing and in terms of like your mental health do you feel like that didn't change until your family could meet him or did you sort of come out the other side of the baby blues just as he got older or yeah how did you feel there I think I just kind of um so it got to the point where I was quite depressed that I wanted to introduce him to family I wanted that excitement I wanted the um you know, I wanted to be proud to introduce my baby to her family. Mm. And that wasn't, you know, that was really taken away from me. That was what I found the hardest. Yeah. Um, Because I really wanted to be a mum. And, I, you know, for many years, I was playing that, you know, auntie role. Yeah. And, yeah, just I was expecting such a, you know, warm welcome and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I did actually uh, look into getting an exemption of leaving Auckland, Auckland um Yeah. Auckland boundary for mental health issues because it was mentally mm. like I was very depressed and I really wanted to see my mum yeah. um, was very close to applying for leaving and coming down to yeah. Colonia for a bit um, but then the Auckland border luckily opened not that long after that yeah. I kind of just stuck it out as long as I could yeah. um, and I think with more sleep and that Nico yeah. was sleeping better I was feeling a bit better and I kind of just yeah, it really did hit me like a ton of bricks. Eh? It's yeah. just, um, everybody tells you it's hard and not my, not many people do talk about the baby blues or anything like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I thought I was ready to be a mum and I thought, um, you know, I had this picturesque mind in my head that, mm. you know, motherhood would be just perfect and 
and I'll be happy with the baby and stuff but yeah it does hit you like a ton of bricks yeah <laughs> and yeah. yeah I do feel guilty that I did feel like that but it's just hormones and everything oh else. so and, hard as well not having any family around like yeah especially when that was your expectation I think um and it wasn't like something of your own choice to not have that I think yeah just so difficult Mm, exactly and it's just like yeah when you had plans for family support and that family you know they only live four hours drive three four mm. hours it's not like a different country or anything yeah that you know that you were just yeah finally yeah having a baby and then that getting taken away from you and just mm. uh, yeah so that was that was really the hardest part of yeah. motherhood for me I would say um apart from the milk supply but <laughs> <laughs> yeah and what about your business have you taken parental leave from your role or are you still working or yeah what does that look like yeah so obviously as a business owner you really don't clock off no. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's kind of also there's pros and cons to that um so I did step away from going to the store every week, every day, um, at week 37, I would say, maybe 35, you know, I just kind of played it, but yeah, I was quite tired. If I couldn't be bothered going to work, I didn't, I didn't, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I had staff, by that point, I had enough staff to manage the store without me, yeah. so I was just at home managing staff um, and doing like the social media and the marketing side of things, still working. Um, and then during maternity leave, um, I'm the kind of person that can't just let go. So I was, Mm. I was still keeping tabs and just making sure how things were going. But with lockdown happening, it was was obviously not too much work to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm still currently working, um, working part time from home, going into the store once a week, I would say. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hoping to be able to do. Um, but as Nico gets older, I'll pick up more hours um, and work probably hopefully from home. Um, with lockdown, it's proven that I don't actually have to be in the store. I've got the right staff managing the store and running the business. Mm-hmm. And I can just focus on growing the business. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. And is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered or you want to include in your story? Um, I would just say probably let go of all expectations. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, it's just uh, you're just going to be disappointed if it doesn't turn out the way that you had hoped. Mm. Um, and no matter how prepared you could be, like you know, things will go hard. You know, it'll be yeah. so hard to try and meet those expectations. I would say, yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, you just kind of have to go with the flow and you know know that every baby doesn't know how to suck when they're born (laughs) it's a learning curve for for both baby and mum and dad yeah Yeah. and I would just recommend um, if your partner can take the time off work to take the time off work (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's a great recommendation we um, yeah yeah, definitely agree with that one (laughs) yeah some people you know can do just two weeks and some babies are great Whereas yeah. other babies, you, they need more teaching and the mum mm. also obviously needs more support. And you never yeah. know until after birth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sejung, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I've loved chatting to you and I'm sure that there'll be lots of others that really enjoy your story. So thank you. No worries. Thanks so much, Jordan. No problem. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it and I look forward to bringing you another beautiful episode next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.